0: This is actually, believe it or not, lesson number nine. Uh, this has been the ninth week that we've talked about this, but uh, God loves his people. And, and David, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, having been a shepherd, uh, began to pen one of the most commonly quoted, one of the most well known chapters in the whole Bible, in the, in the chapter of Psalms 23. Uh, It's quoted everywhere. People say it all the time, but there's a deeper meaning and deeper understanding to it. It's more than just a feel-good chapter about God's protection, but there's a lot of, uh, of deep understanding here at how God actually moves in our life. Do you realize, do you understand this morning that if you are serving God, if you are full of the Holy Ghost, if your life is in the hand of God, then God's... Goal and God's purpose in your life is to bring you to a place of ultimate peace, a place of comfort, a place of power, a place of protection, a place of provision. That is God's purpose and His goal in your life. We go through some things in life that don't seem fair. We go through some things in life that are not easy. All of us do. It's amazing that some, uh, sometimes people, uh, and I have done it myself in the past, look at somebody else in their life and say, man, they sure have it easy. Man, they sure don't face the things that I have to face, or, or they have uh, this better or that better. But, but uh, you just wait around a while. Wait, uh, just, just, just hold on. Just talk to them maybe. Uh, spend some time with them. Take them out to lunch. And you'll find out that everybody's life has a certain amount of heartache and and turmoil and storms. But God, but God's purpose in your life and directing you through those things is to bring you to a place of peace. And so we've been talking about Psalms 23 and how God keeps His hand on us, His eyes on us. He leads us and guides us in the path that we should go. And, And so I want to read this morning... From Psalms 23 and verse 6. It's the last verse of this chapter. This is where David concludes such a wonderful chapter of Scripture. He makes this this statement, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. David again is boasting. He is boasting of the care of the Good Shepherd. Do you remember when we talked about David's opening statement? That the Lord is my shepherd. He said it almost proud. He said it kind of uh, what we used to talk about with people with their chest poked out a little bit. He was, he was proud of the fact that his life was under the care and the management of God. He was proud of that fact. And here, David is saying again in another boastful way that surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It's not a might happen. It's not a could happen. It's not a perhaps it will happen. It's not if I'm good enough it will happen. It's nothing that we earn, but David is saying that as long as you're in the protection if you're in the guidance, if you're in the direction, if you're in the will, if you're in the hand, if you're under the shepherd, the good shepherd of the Lord, that He is going to make sure that goodness and mercy follows you all the days of your life. How many of us truly feel that way this morning? That goodness and mercy follows us, that everything that happens to us that every hard time that happens to us, that everything that God does for us is followed by goodness and mercy. This is an easy statement to make when life is going good. When everything in life is well, it's easy to say, well, goodness and mercy, they follow me. Oh, Brother Merrill, everything is just hunky-dory. What is hunky-dory anyway? If any of y'all know the definition, I need to look that up. Whatever the definition of this, I may have just said something bad. I don't know. I remember hearing that when I was a child. Everything's hunky-dory. I also remember my dad telling me when I was in trouble that, son, if you don't stop, it's going to be Katie bar the door and ship your saddle to the house. I have no idea what that is either. So if any of you know what that is, let me know. I don't know why you would want to take your saddle to the house. But anyway, I knew one thing about it. It was bad news. I knew what it meant. You weren't going to be sitting down on that saddle for a while. You was going to have to give yourself some time to heal. But anyway, when things are hunky-dory, when things are going great, it's easy to say, it's easy to boast that the Lord is my shepherd. It's easy to boast that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life because you can prove it. You can show people. You say, you see, goodness, And look at my life. Look how wonderful things is. This is the benefit of serving God. You see how wonderful life is? But it's a whole other statement to make when things aren't going so well. It's a whole other thing to say to that coworker, to that friend or that family member, when they know what your life is going through at that moment, when they know that there's a great sickness in your body or, a, or the death of a loved one or, or maybe a job is lost and now all of a sudden there's not as much money as there used to be or maybe a child has gone wayward or a child is not doing well or or there's, a, there's conflict in the marriage. It's, it's a little bit different to make that statement then that I know that regardless of my circumstances, goodness and mercy is still following me. I turn around and don't see them. I don't always see the goodness and mercy behind me, but I can tell you that they follow me. And that's a harder statement to make when things are not going so good. And sheep, when they're being led... When a shepherd is leading his sheep and he's, he's driving his sheep down a new pathway and the sheep don't know that path. You remember we talked about how they'll make little ruts in the ground because they follow the same path. They do that on purpose. Cows do it. Horses do it. They do that because they get used to following that path and they can see things. And they memorize everything about that path. And that way, if there's danger there, something's different, they'll stop. Have anybody, if any of you ever ridden horses? A couple of you. You ever had one that was spooked? If there's a horse that'll spook real easy, they'll see a little log laid on the ground, and in that horse's mind, that becomes a 25-foot alligator. And they won't cross that way for nothing. So livestock learns this pathway and they look down the path that they've walked hundreds of times and they see something new now if you've ever been around cows we used to talk we used to say stuff like you know they looked at me like a cow looking at a new gate all you have to do is take the gate and move it And those cows will stand there and look at that new gate like, what in the world? It's the same gate you've been walking through for years. We just moved it. But it's new to them because they have memorized their path for so long they've walked the same direction that when something new happens, they freeze. What do I do now? Walk through it. I've actually had to lead them through it, hit them with sticks to get them to go through new gates. The same thing is true with humanity. Any time that God wants us to begin to walk a new path, we immediately, whoa, 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 don't push. I got to look at this. I need to figure it out where much to, much like I did when I was trying to get dairy cows to go through a new gate, I would say, come on, stupid, just go. It goes to the same barn. You've been on that side of the pasture a thousand times and God Sometimes I wonder if He doesn't look at us. Maybe He doesn't call us stupid, but He's like, just move on. But sheep are like that. They're timid. And they don't want to go down a new path. They don't want to go a new way to get to another place. They don't know what's around the corner. They're scared. They're frightened. And so they know that their shepherd, if He is with them, that He is behind them, that this goodness and this mercy, if, if a sheep has confidence in its shepherd, if a sheep knows that his shepherd is going to take care of him and is out for his benefit, then the sheep does not mind walking the new pathway. A sheep won't get too frightened when, the, when, when there's a direction change. The sheep won't get too upset when God uh, decides that, you know what, I don't want your life going down this path anymore, but we're going to take your, your life and we're going to redirect you into a new pathway. We're going to send you into a new ministry. We're going to take you into a new level. It's another place, another level up with the Holy Ghost. We're not allowed to go backwards. Don't ever allow yourself to go backwards. But always strive to move forward. And sometimes it does get uncomfortable when you're entering into a new dimension or to a new arena in a relationship with God. but, But realize and understand that God is only doing this for your benefit. And if you have confidence in Him, then you will know that goodness and mercy is following you and that nothing can happen to you. The sheep know that their shepherd is behind us. We have to understand that God is behind us. If you fail, if you fall in the will of God, it won't be long before he's there because he's behind you. He doesn't have to turn around and go get you. He's behind you and he will pick you back up with goodness and with mercy. God doesn't beat the sheep that falls down. Thank God. That's all I can say. Thank God. I lean on his mercy a lot. I've told him before God. Here I am again, having to lean on your mercy. And he always picks the sheep up that are in his care. We talked about, somebody actually brought up a couple days ago or last week uh, in conversation about the the Bible study during this series on, on being cast, on being rolled over and how God constantly picks his people up. He constantly picks the sheep up. He never allows you to stay down for long. God always working to pick you up. And it's amazing the patience. It's amazing the grace. It's amazing the mercy of God that how many times He's had to pick me up. And we constantly lean on that, but remember that it's okay because God is going to pick you up if you're in His flock, if you're in His hand, because He's walking behind you. But not only does it mean that God is behind you and and that God's there to support you and, and to help you in life. And, and it's not that God is our servant, but, that, but God is there for our benefit. He does help us as we serve Him. But it's also uh, uh, there's also another meaning to this statement that goodness and mercy will follow me. Now, I know probably most of you in your life has been in a boat. Has anybody ever been in a boat? When you have that motor cranked up and you're riding down the bayou, you got your fishing poles or your crab traps or shrimp nets, whatever the case was, and your cruise or your water skis. Now why in the world people get on a good river and go water skiing I'll never understand. There's fish in that water, fish for them. Who wants to water ski? I mean, strap two sticks to your feet, go 60 miles an hour across the water, hit a log. Whatever, anyway, if that's what you call fun, then God bless you. But as long as there's fish in that water, I want to fish. I do have to tell you this, this quick story, shouldn't say it, it's hilarious though. How many of you are familiar with the campgrounds in Tioga? There is a sewage pond, a septic pond. You ever heard that? It's right down... I don't know the name of all the streets, but it's right down in the bottom, man. right in the middle. It's in the bottom of the hill. A couple of years ago at camp meeting, I was up there, and they were, one of the evangelists got up and was talking and said that he really wanted to go fishing. And somebody told him that so there is a pond here on the campground. We call it Lake Sewage instead of Lake Sewage. Lake Sewage. This is bad. I shouldn't say it. I'm gonna be in trouble. And it is full of crappie, <laughs> not sackley, crappie. And they let him fish in that for about an hour. He got up from the pool pen and told this, and he said, "I didn't catch anything." after a while one of the, he turned to one of the guys and says, "You know this thing, this water really stinks." <laughs> and they ex- explained what it was. Anyway, I don't know how I got off on all that. But when you're in a boat cruising down the bayou, you look behind you and what do you see? What do they call that? A wake, a rooster tail. You got a fast enough boat. You got a wake. You ever heard some people say so and so always leaves a path of destruction in their wake or they leave heartache in their wake. It's that Romeo that all the girls love and he breaks their hearts and he leaves a path of heartbreak in his wake. So we all understand. My mom used to say that I would walk through a room and that my brother would go through a room. There's two different things when you walk through a place and when you go through a place because the room would be basically unscathed after I walked through it but my brother always left a little mark that he was there it was something broken something scratched, a hole in something something was always damaged and we understand that as we move through life there is something in our wake as we go through life there is a part that is behind us as we move through, how is it left? What is there? Is it destruction or is it mercy? And is it goodness? There is a... uh, As we walk through the life, as we walk walk down the path of life, we leave a trail behind us. And, And David is saying that because the Lord is my shepherd, as I move through life, then the wake behind me, goodness and mercy, shall always follow. When I interact with somebody, when I contact somebody, I don't walk away and leave them feeling worse than the way they felt when I walked up to them. But when I leave them, I want them to say that in the wake of that person is always goodness and mercy. When he goes somewhere, you know that goodness and mercy is going to follow him. The other day at work, there's a young lady that, that uh, actually Friday I was uh, able to invite her to church and she says she'll come and I hope she does. But uh, uh, the, the other day I was talking to her and, and uh, she said, why are you always so happy? <laughs> Little does she know, I'm not always so happy. And I said, I told her, I said, Alicia, the, the only thing I can tell you She she made some other comments that, you know, you always try to make people feel better. And I said, that's just what I try to do. Because I want, it's not an attaboy, but I want goodness and mercy to follow me. When I walk through life, the wake that I leave, I don't want it to be heartache. I don't want people to feel worse. I want goodness and mercy to follow me. Because if I'm following God, if the Lord is truly my shepherd, then the one, the, the, when I, as I go through life and I part through life, the wake that follows me should be goodness and mercy. People should gain, gain benefit from my life. People should gain uh, encouragement from my life. People should gain power from my life. Nobody likes to be around negative people. And there's an old story about a man that was going to jump off a bridge and end his life, and a preacher walked up to him and said, what are you doing? He said, preacher, my life is so bad I'm fixing to jump off this bridge and, and just end it all. The preacher said, son, please don't do something so foolish. Life can never be that bad. He said, I tell you what. He said, why don't you get off the bridge and let's walk around the block. And when we get back to this point, if life is so bad and you're not encouraged, then I won't try to stop you. The young man agreed and Him and the preacher walked around the block and the young man began to tell him all of his trouble. And when they got back to that spot, they both jumped off the bridge. Some people leave in their wake less than goodness and mercy, but I don't want to be one of those people. And David is saying that as you look behind you in your life, as you talk to people that you've interacted with, as you've connected with people, if you look behind you and you see anything less than goodness and mercy coming out of you, then maybe you should find a new shepherd. Maybe the Lord is not leading you like you think He is. Maybe the Lord is truly not your shepherd. And so we need... It is imperative that as we follow God, that the presence of God and the power of God and the things that God does for us and the thing and the ways that God ministers to us and the ways that God protects us and the way that God provides for us, that we do that for the people around us so that in our way, as much as in the wake of God, we find goodness and mercy, then in our way, people will find goodness and mercy. Sheep. Sheep leave a trail. Try to say find a way to say this where it's mature. Sheep have the most balanced manure of any of the livestock. And if it is placed upon the soil in balanced proportions, it's extremely beneficial to the soil. And because sheep in their nature, they like to rest on the high ground, they will go down into the lowlands and feed on the lush, rich, green grass. And then they will go to the high ground to rest. And because of that, when they are on the high ground, their, their manure is so rich and nutrient that it takes the the, the richness of the low ground and it brings the nutrients and it brings the life and it brings all of that stuff to the less productive part of the ground or the less productive part of life. And they eat, a sheep will eat anything just about. Weeds, it doesn't matter. They have a, uh, an appetite for certain types of weeds and they will actually pull them up by the roots and eat the whole thing. And, and because of that, the pastures that sheep feed in regularly, if they're managed properly, will have almost no weeds in them at all. Because the sheep will clean that up and they will, they will make a pasture beautiful and green and lush. And, and because of their, uh, the way that they eat and the way that their body chemistry is made, when they get done with a piece of property, a lot of times it's much better off than when they started. In fact, one of the shepherds in doing this study that I've read after said that he would intentionally buy a pasture that was was not real good shape because you could get it cheap. It was cheaper to buy a piece of old, nasty-looking, worn-out pasture than it was a piece of good ground because he knew that if he took his sheep in there... Given a certain amount of time, and even in a short amount of time, they would eat all the weeds out and they would fertilize it. And before long, he would have lush, beautiful green pasture. You see, in the wake of the sheep, as they moved through, goodness followed them. And it's what happens with God. Goodness follows us, and so goodness and mercy should follow us in our wake. We should be a beneficial to those around us. When we go through somebody's life, when we contact somebody's life, whether it's a fellow employee or a friend or or somebody you just meet at the grocery store, it doesn't matter where you meet them or where you find them. When you go through somebody's life, their life should be cleaned up a little bit. It should be better. It should be uh, nicer. It should be brighter uh, than when you found it. What do people say that we leave in our wake? Do we leave goodness and mercy? Or do we just leave manure? It's kind of a crude way of saying it. And I apologize if you're offended, but it's true. We all know people (laughs) that when they get done telling you how things are, you feel worse than when you got started. That should not happen with the children of God. You should be there to benefit the lives of those around you. I'm going to challenge you. If somebody comes into work and starts talking about how hard a day they're having or how bad a situation is, before you say anything, first of all, think. Most of us just start yapping. And never think. And we wind up making it worse. But think about it. Tomorrow, you're at your, at your job and somebody comes in and says, Man, I had a bad weekend. Kid went and did this. Husband, wife went and did this. whatever it is. Before you respond to it, think about it. If I was in this person's situation, how would I want God to respond? how would I want them to respond to me? And then respond that way. Ask them, can you pray for them? It's not time for you to share your problems. Well, you think that's something. (laughs) Let me tell you what happened to me this weekend. (laughs) That'll blow that, clean out the water. You just didn't benefit anybody. You didn't help them. It's not vent your frustration time. You know who the best person to vent your frustrations to is? Jesus, and everybody else, try to encourage them. Oh, I know what you're going through. Let me tell you about my weekend. Man, my old authorized started acting up, my elbow locked up, and my shoulder gave out, and I got a bad headache Friday and couldn't get rid of it all weekend, and lawnmower broke down, the car caught on fire, and, you know, I lost another 3% in my RRA, and, you know, People that are hurting don't need that. <laughs> they need you to say, you know what? I'm sorry you had a bad weekend. You said your kid got in some bad trouble. Well, maybe I haven't been through that. Or you can think that I haven't been through that. But you know what? You may not know what you're going through, but I do know I can pray for you. And if you need somebody just to listen without talking, you can talk to them. Tell me how bad it hurts. And then at the end of that, we're going to pray. And God is going. Don't say God might. Don't say God could. Have faith. God is going to minister to you today. And you'll be surprised. There was a company I used to work for. There was a lady there. lot of problems. Lots and lots and lots and lots of problems. And I, as I was doing my job, I would turn around and see her, and I, I knew what was coming. I could see it in her face when she was walking to me. She would walk up, and as soon as she'd go to speak, Carol, pray for me. So that's got to the point where that's all she'd say. She wouldn't even tell me her problem. She'd just say, pray for me. We'd pray right there. Encourage people in your wake. It should be goodness and mercy. All right, I've got to hurry. The last statement that David makes in this psalm is I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David started the psalm, as I mentioned a while ago, with this boast that the Lord is my shepherd. And Then he ends with this same boast that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a statement of utter satisfaction. This is a statement that there's nothing else that I need. That all of my needs are being provided for. All of my security is taken care of. All of my provision is being taken care of. All of my direction is being taken care of. In other words, I have no other needs. I have no other desires that my shepherd cannot provide for me. That my shepherd cannot take care of. My shepherd, the Lord, as David boasted, the Lord is taking care of me to the point... He's got me at a place. He's got me in His hand. And there's no way that I ever plan on leaving the house of the Lord. If it's my my choice, and it is our choice, uh, David is saying that I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, in kind of a ranch uh, hand terms, the sheep is saying that I'm never going to leave this outfit It's got the best water. It's got the best grazing. It's got the best health care. It's got the best protection. Oh, everything about my shepherd is awesome. And everything that he does for me is for my benefit. And he's bringing me to this place. And he's taking me and he leads me. And I don't worry about anything and I don't stress about anything and and I don't get all upset about anything because I know that I have a good shepherd and He's taking care of me. So David says, because it is my choice who I will serve, because it is my choice who leads and guides my life, because it is my choice who directs me. I can stay in the pasture of the Lord, or I can cross the river, or I can cross the fence, uh, and I can go into the pastures of Satan, but you will be in one of those two places. Uh, and Jesus is saying in this, in this psalm, God is saying so beautifully that if you'll dwell in the pastures of God and let Him be your shepherd, don't lead and guide yourself, Don't direct yourself and certainly don't let Satan do it. But if you'll let God do it, you'll you'll get to that place where you'll say, I'm never going to leave. I'll never leave this place. There's no reason to leave. Everything is fine. I'm under the best care I could possibly be under. And I will tell you this morning, if you're in the care of God, there's no better place to be. I'm going to shock you with this next statement. Anybody ready to be shocked? You ready to be wild? You ready for have your mind blown? Here we go. You can't take care of you as good as God can take care of you. Just blew your mind, didn't it? Isn't that shocking? Nobody seems wild, awed, or amazed. Why is it the nature of humanity? to wait until everything falls completely apart before we ask God for anything. We always try to do it ourselves. And we usually wind up in the loneliest place in Louisiana, by yourself. Why is humanity like that? Something happens in life. And I'm generic in saying that because there's too much now to list. But some tragedy, some sickness, some problem, some situation, and the first thing that comes in the human mind is I've got this under control. Don't worry about it. This is what we're going to do. We're going to seek through this. I had a friend of mine. uh, He's passed away now. Died a little over a year ago. He was diagnosed in November uh, with lung cancer uh, almost two years ago he died at the end of march when he was diagnosed with lung cancer he was laying in the hospital bed before they sent him home after doing all these tests and and i walked in to see him and i said johnny uh i want to tell you man guy had never served god i said i want to tell you johnny god can heal you you know what he told me he said man i got this whipped He said, I'm going to go through the treatments. I'll make it through that fine. They'll treat the disease. Life will go on. No problem. I got it whipped. That's what he told me. Let me tell you how well that worked out for him. The last time I went to see him on a Wednesday night, we were still having Thursday night service, I went to see him on a Wednesday night. He looked at me, and with all the strength, he couldn't even move his own legs anymore. He couldn't even hardly move. He looked at me in the most desperate voice that I've ever heard come out of a human mouth. He said, Meryl, please help me. It's too late. I told him, I said, Johnny, I can't help you. I never could. God is the only one that can help you. And he would never pray. He told me straight to my face, I want you to do all of my praying for me. I can't do it. Why is it, he, I saw him Wednesday, he died Friday morning. Why is it in humanity that as soon as we get bad news from the doctor, the first thing we do is formulate a plan of how we are going to deal with it? I know it got quiet. When we get bad news from anybody, when situation happens, the first thing we do Is figure out how we are going to handle it. I don't want to handle it. I've got a shepherd. He is a good shepherd. He's a lot bigger and a lot smarter than this little stupid sheep is. He's got lots more experience in dealing with my problems than I've got. And I know how he works with me. I know that he's got my best interest at heart. I know that God has the power and the ability to lead me in the path of righteousness to lead me through the valley of the shadow of death to lead me to green pastures. He's got the power to lead me beside the still waters. He's got the power to to lead me to places of benefit. He's got the power to lead me to places that will make my life better. He's got the power to change me and to make me. He's got the power to place me under the rod and the staff as we talked about for the inspection of us to make sure that we're pure and clean and holy. God has that a power. So why in the world would I want to choose my own path? I don't want to find my own way. I want to dwell, as David said, in the house of the Lord forever. The word house here does not mean a place where you call home. The the word house here is not a place where you have a refrigerator and a stove and a washer and a dryer. That's not what he's talking about. He's not even talking about the church building. He's not talking about the carpet and the pews. Uh, He's not talking about the the name on the sign out front. But what he is talking about is the cycle of your life, the beginning to the end. It's that place that's not a place built with hands, but it is a place of of comfort. It is a place of understanding that God is my shepherd. He is leading me. My life, my care is in the hand of Almighty God. It's not just willy-nilly. This isn't a God that can sometimes and can't others. But it is in the hand of Almighty God. And there gets to a place in life when you realize that. And you understand that that we say that I'm not going to leave this place ever. That I found a relationship with God. I found faith in God. I found confidence in God. And I'm never going to leave it. I'm never going to give it away. I'm never going to trade it. There's not enough in this world that can take take away this relationship that I have with God. We all understand the cycle of life. At some point, we are born, and at at another point, we die. What David is saying here when he says, I'll dwell in the house, in other words, I'm going to dwell with God being my shepherd. From the time of my birth until the time of my death, the entire cycle of my life... What the sheep would from the sheep's perspective, the house, is that yearly cycle from the home range. And they would go up through the mountains and, and feed in the highlands if we've talked about, and then the shepherd would bring them back. and when they arrived back at their home range, they call that the house, or that is the place of habitation, that whole cycle, that whole year has been spent in the house of the shepherd, and it is under the care of that good shepherd that has brought me home through all of the storms and the dangers and the sickness and all the predators and the pests that we've talked about, God is able through your life to take you from your your infancy all the way through the cycle of your life and bring you back home again through all of the dangers of life. It kind of reminds you of that dear old anthem that we used to sing, Amazing Grace, when it talks about through every trial, every danger, every thorn, every snare, God has been His grace that has brought me this far and God will lead me home. In other words, it's going to be by the power of God when you make it. When you walk through those heavenly gates uh, and you see those streets of gold uh, and you got that little skip in your step, uh, all you can do is look at Jesus and say it's because of your care. It's because of your guidance. It's because of your power. It's because of your direction in my life if I made it here. It's nothing that we do. We're not good enough. We're not not funny enough. We're not good looking enough. We're not skinny enough. We're nothing enough of, uh, of ourselves to make it to heaven but because of Him. If you get the mental image here of the sheep finally coming home at the beginning of the winter time. The sheep walks up to the fence and he looks at the scrawny and the sick Sheep next door of a shepherd that doesn't care. It's his less fortunate neighbor. And he tells that little sick, scrawny sheep of all the adventures that have taken place this year. My shepherd took me through the valley of the shadow of death. My shepherd's provided for me. Great pastures He provided for me, great waters to drink. There was predators out there, don't you understand? But my shepherd stayed awake all night, and he watched over me. There's times of danger. There was, there was poisonous weeds, but my shepherd made sure that I didn't eat them. My shepherd took care of me, and now he has brought me home. One of the shepherds that I read after told a story. I think I've shared this story already with you, but I'll share it again. The story of this shepherd was as the next-door neighbor was a tenant shepherd. He did not really care about the sheep, and the sheep were always hungry. They never had good pasture. They never had good food. And one day, three of this neighbor's sheep got around a broken part in the fence and got into his pasture and literally ate so much of that thick green grass in his pasture that they could not they could no longer move. They gorged themselves and they could no longer move. It was raining. This shepherd, he was a good shepherd, was out, of course, in the pasture with his flock, even though it was raining, and he found these three sheep, and he walked back to a shed and he got a wheelbarrow. And he put all three of the sheep in a wheelbarrow. And he rolled those sheep back to the neighbor told them, these are your three sheep, they're not mine. And his neighbor, he says, this is a true story, his neighbor reached on his side and pulled out a very long knife and he just slit their throats. You see, those sheep never belonged to a good shepherd. They were never legally his. They tried to partake of the green pastures. They so desperately wanted to be a part of a good shepherd's flock. But they didn't belong to him. They didn't enter into the flock the right way. And so when they got back to their shepherd, he simply extinguished their life. What an awesome and terrible story. But how true it is that so many people desire to be a part of the flock of God, but they're not... But they're not really His. They never, never obtain ownership of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth, the life, and I'm the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if we don't enter into the church, if we don't enter into a relationship with God through Jesus, through the only door that there really is, it's not about your goodness and, and what you do and don't do. It's all about Him. And if we enter... At Jesus, If we enter into the kingdom through Jesus and through the plan of salvation and we become a member of the flock of God, then we'll have great, a great, great shepherd. Praise the Lord. I appreciate God this morning. I appreciate His goodness. I appreciate His mercy and what He's done for me in my life. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you this morning for your attention and uh, your patience with this study. And uh, God bless you. Don't leave. Nobody go anywhere. We have a second service we will be starting in just a few minutes, and you don't want to miss. God bless you this morning. You're dismissed. Go around, shake somebody's hand. If you don't know who they are, introduce yourself. Tell them. You're all wonderful people.